Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Father, we just open our hearts to you tonight. We thank you for your spirit, Lord, that leads us and guides us into all the truth. Thank you for your word that encourages us tonight, empowers us to go forth and be your people. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen, hallelujah. I want to start tonight in uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Verse 14, now after, Mark 1, 14. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I just want to share with you for a little while tonight about the gospel and what effect it should have in our life. The gospel, the good news. In Mark, uh, in, well, in Luke chapter, you have to go there, in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, remember it said Jesus went into the synagogue and it was, the scroll was handed to him and he opened up where it said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach what? Preach the gospel to the poor. And at the end of Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, that famous scripture, it says, and he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So I just want to look a little bit tonight at the gospel. What is the gospel? And how does it affect our lives? Or, <clears throat> or really more, more, uh, more precisely, how should it affect our lives? You know, I like, I like messages, not that this one is, but I like to listen to messages that make me think. You know, it's like, when someone says, well, what is the gospel? How would you define it? <clears throat> a few years ago, Pastor Greg called me on the phone one day, and uh, I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, how do you know when someone's a Christian? And I thought, okay, you know, I had to think. And his answer was, by their, you know, by their fruit, you'll know them. A changed life, you know. But, uh, but it made me think, you know, I like, I like things that make me think. And what is the gospel? Well, first of all, the gospel is, the literal word, the literal translation of that word is, it's good news. The gospel is good news. The good news of what? The good news of Jesus Christ. That God, the Son of God, came to earth in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. He lived a sinless life. He shed his blood. He died on the cross. He became our substitute. He paid the price for our sin. He died. He was raised again the third day. He rose and, and sits at the right hand of the Father. That's, that's the gospel. And, uh, but it's diff- it differs 
The gospel is good news. It's not, uh, it's not directions. It's not advice. It's news. The, the difference, what I'm saying is, directions and advice tell you how to do something, how to achieve something. News is, tells you something that's already happened. And so the good news, the gospel doesn't tell us how to get to God. The gospel tells us how God came to us and made, us avail- made himself available to us. It, the, the news is something that's already happened. All other religions, uh, except it's supposed to be except Christianity, but even within Christianity, uh, there are, uh, but all other religions, they give you advice. They give you directions. This is how you find God. This is what you need to do. This is how you live. This is, this is, this is what you need to do in order to find God. Every other religion is founded by someone who gave, who said, this is, this is, I've figured it out. This is how you, this is how you find God. Christianity teaches us that God became man to find us. Not, it's not, this is how you find God, but he came and said, I'm God, I'm coming to find you. You know, I was, I had a picture of somebody in my mind, I had a picture of somebody who's lost in the woods, in the forest somewhere, and they can't find their way out. And that's, that's exactly what we are spiritually. We're lost. We can't find our way. Somebody has to come and find us and say, here, I'm here to rescue you. Here, I'll, I'll lead you out. I'll get you out of this mess that you're in. I'll do it. You don't have to do it yourself. The gospel doesn't put burdens on us. The gospel takes burdens off. Advice and directions put burden on us. This is what you have to do. The gospel takes burdens off and says, this is what's been done for you. I tell you, the greatest relief to me comes when you find out that it's not up to you to be good enough to get to heaven. That God has done it for you. And it's, and it's by grace alone, through faith alone, through Jesus alone, that we can receive salvation. That we can be made right with God and walk this earth knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that our sins are done away with and that God loves us and that God is going to take us to heaven. The gospel takes the burdens off. It says this is what's been done for you. Just receive it by faith. It's important because uh, it's easy to we, have to, we have to be careful we don't get into, even in Christianity, that we don't get into uh, legalism. You know, there are some, there are some churches in an attempt uh, to teach people how to be good Christians, they kind of they load their, their, they just dump all these rules on their followers. Uh, you have to dress like this. You have to live like this. You have to follow these rules. You have to act like this. I remember one time years ago, we had a lady in our church. And uh, her brother lived, I don't know, where, her brother lived somewhere down, I forget, um, in the Carolinas or Florida, somewhere. Anyway, he came up to visit. This is a long time ago. He came up to visit, and uh, he wanted to know about this church that his sister was going to. So he, she said, can you come over and talk to him? So I came over, and I talked to him for about an hour, an hour and a half, and I let, and I let him to the Lord. And I said, now you get, when you get back home, you've got to find a good church to get into, and uh, one that believes in them being filled with the Spirit, and speaking in tongues, and and he went back home, and he found, a, I don't know what kind of a church it was, but that church he went to, 
uh, put all these rules on. Okay, now that you come into this church, you have to tithe. You have to come every week. You have to dress like you have to. And he, and he and they dumped so much, he finally said, forget it. And he walked away. And he, and he quit going to church. You know, it's like you can get into this legalistic stuff. You know, a lot of times churches, they're called, uh, they might be called like a holiness church. But they're just full of rules. They're, you know, and, but God, now, does God want us to live a certain way? Absolutely. Does God want us to live a godly lifestyle? Absolutely. Does he want us to be holy? Absolutely. But we've got to let the Spirit do it through us. We can't put it on. We can't, set, we can't be judging everybody in their life. It took me a while to, to, to grow in God. It's going to take everyone a while to grow in God. We've got to let the Spirit do it, and he will do it. But we can't, we can't get legalistic. And the other side of that coin is we can't be too liberal either. You know, liberal Christians who don't want to talk about being born again. They don't want to talk about sin. They don't want to talk about hell. They don't want, you know, they just, they just say, you just, to, to be a Christian, you need to be a good person. You need to just be intolerant of everyone, include everyone, help the poor, be a good person, love everybody, you know, and you can go to heaven. Well, that's not the gospel either. The gospel is Jesus saves. Hallelujah. By his blood and by his, by his death on the cross, he saves us. And we can be right with him. We can be forgiven. And, and the burdens are taken off. The burden of trying to be good enough. The burden of, a, of our sins, of our past and our guilt. It's gone. When the gospel comes into our life, uh, we should feel a, a sensing of, uh, there should be like a freedom and a release. It's like you feel like you're a new person. Uh, God has saved me. I'm, the, the, the burden of my sin is gone. I don't know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been many, many, many people that we've heard testimonies. They said, when I accepted Jesus, this weight just lifted off of me. My, the, the example I use all the time is Darren's mother. She told me one time, when I found out that one of the greatest days of my life was when I found out that I didn't have to be good enough to get to heaven. And when I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, she said, this weight, this burden just lifted off of me. I just felt free. I felt like, I just felt so light. And that's the way it's supposed to be. The gospel is, a, is freeing. Hallelujah. It's freeing us to be the people that God's called us to be. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the gospel, Father. I thank you that it's good news, Lord, the good news of Jesus Christ to save us, to bring us to you and make us your children. Hallelujah. So how is the gospel supposed to affect our lives? When we're saved, we're saved by the sacrifice of Jesus, but after that, we need to live our lives uh, the way God wants us. He wants, to do, he wants us to live holy, uh, godly lives. So where do we go to look on how, how God wants us to live? Should we go back to the law? Now, we don't, we don't trust that we, we don't have to fulfill the law to be right with God. You understand that? It's by grace alone, through faith, that we're saved. But after we're saved, can we go back to the law? My question is, can we go back to the law and see how, and, and glean from the law the way God wants us to live? There's some truth in that. I mean, God doesn't want us to murder. God doesn't want us to commit adultery. God doesn't want us to steal. God doesn't want us to lie. So can we go back to the law and see how God wants? To some degree, yes. You know, we can't just throw the law out and say the law is no good. There's a lot of good stuff in the law. But we have to be careful that we don't 
depend on the law as a, as a legalistic guide to, to, to teach us how, how to please God. We accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We acknowledge that it's, that it's him, him alone, none of us, all of him. But now that I'm saved, I want to live a life that pleases to God. So some people feel like in order to do that, we need to turn to the law. But the law can give us some guidance, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's not the, the whole answer because the law is external and God wants us to be, lead a holy life by the Spirit of God, by an internal guidance, not an external guidance. I've shared this story before, but I feel like I want to share it again because there's a, there's a, a point that I, I feel like God wants us to, to well, God wants me to make. And it's a story about this young lady. Pastor Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City, and he tells the account of a woman that started to come to his church. I don't know if you remember, I've said this before, but this woman started to come to his church. Uh, she came a few weeks, but he could tell that she really wasn't, uh, he, he, she just didn't look comfortable. She, didn't, she wasn't really entering in. She wasn't, she's kind of there, but she was, he felt like she was kind of struggling to really be a part of what was going on. So he made a point to, to kind of find her after one service, and he began to talk to her. And he said, uh, how, how did you come to this church? I, I see that you're visiting. Uh, you, you maybe you look like you, you may be not too comfortable. Uh, is, are you all right? She said, well, I'm not sure I believe everything you teach here, but I want to come and see what was going on because, uh, my, because of my boss. My boss goes here. And she began to tell him that she, she worked at a major uh, TV studio in New York City, that she'd been hired there, that she was a fairly new employee, and uh, but soon after she was there, she, she did something that was uh, really, really, she didn't say what it was, but she did something really wrong. In other words, uh, something really stupid that was probably going to get her fired. And so her, she and her boss went to see the, the big boss. And when they went in, her boss, instead of saying, yeah, she screwed up and let her go, he said, no, uh, she's a good employee. She made a mistake, but it's my fault. Instead of throwing her under the bus, he threw himself under the bus. He said, it's my fault. I didn't train her right. Uh, she's got good potential. I know she'll be a good employee, but it's my fault, and I, I should have trained her, and uh, if there's anyone to blame, it's me. And uh, he, in doing that, he, he lost a lot of uh, credence, you might say, with, with, his, with his boss and lost some political clout in the, in the company. Uh, took a, he took a real hit for her. And afterwards, she came to him and she said, why did you do that? And uh, he said, well, don't worry about it. It's fine. We'll just press on. She, and she kind of pressed him. She said, no, why did you do that? He said, okay, I'll tell you. She said, because I've had bosses that take credit for when I do good, but when I do bad, they always, you know, I'm always the one to blame. No one has ever taken the blame for me. Why did you do that? And he said, well, I'll tell you why. He said, I'm a Christian. And I, there's somebody who took the blame for me in my life, who took my sins upon himself and died for me, Jesus of Nazareth. So I try to live my life like he would. And I take the, and so, and I'd be willing to take the blame for you because he took the blame for me. And when he told her that, she said, where do you go to church? And so she started coming to the church. I've lost my place now. Thank you, Jesus. 
So, the question is, talking about, should we look at the law to, to guide us in our, in, our, in our walk with God? So the question is, would, would the law have required him to do that? Would the law have required him to take the blame for her? Yeah, why not? I, I would say, see, I'm, I'm making you think now. But, and I, to some degree, yes. Doesn't the law say, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you? Doesn't the law say, love your neighbor? Okay, so there's, but that's not, how, so the law, you could, you could kind of glean from the law that he should do that. But, that, but you notice that that's not what he said. He didn't say, I'm doing this because the law. It's like, I'm doing this because I'm a Christian. There was something that was motivating him from the inside, not from the outside. You know, it's, to me, to me it's, it's like a married, if, a mar- if a woman tries to seduce a married man. I, I look at Joseph. Now, Joseph, is, I understand he's Old Testament, but let me use him as an example. A woman tries to seduce him, a man who's married, and he said, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to commit adultery with you because the law. Because the law says thou shalt not commit adultery, and that's that's one way to look at it. But a better answer is I'm not going to do this because I don't want to offend. I love my wife too much, and I and God and I would I would be grieving the spirit of God. So there's an internal motivation instead of an external motivation, and that's what God wants for us as Christians. God wants us when we when we become born again, when the Spirit of God is residing in us. God wants to live a, a, a lifestyle, and it may be a coincidence, it may be some of the things that are in the law, but God wants us to be governed internally by that new spirit, that new man that's in us. And that's what the gospel does for us. When we receive it, when we receive that new nature, that, that new creation that we are, we, God begins to, dis, to, to lead us into the, truth of our, into the truth for our lives by the internal guidance of the spirit, not by the external in the law. It's like Joseph, when Joseph said, how could I commit this great evil and sin against God? You notice he didn't say, how could I commit this great evil and sin against my boss, Potiphar? But how could I sin against God? It's, when, we, when we miss it, we sin against God, and God doesn't want us. God wants to be led by the Spirit and not by the external. Hallelujah. I tell you, there's some, there's some truth. There's some truth. And I just feel that's so important that we understand that God wants to be led by the Spirit and not by, not by external things. The law, can give us, the law can give us the standard, the rule, but it can't give us the motivation. God wants us to have that, motiva- that, that motivation, the Spirit of God shaping our lives. You know, in Galatians chapter 2, uh, Peter was, the Bible says that, Peter was eating with the Gentiles and fellowshipping with the Gentiles. But when the Christian Jews came from Jerusalem, he began to separate himself and hold himself aloof. Remember that story? And, what did, and, and Paul confronted him. And Paul didn't say to him, uh, you're breaking the no racism law. You know, you're holding it, you, you, you acting, you're, you're acting like you're superior because you're a Jew. No, he says, you're not... You're not what you're doing is not in line with the. It's not in line with the gospel. The gospel doesn't want us to be racists. Racism is is 
thinking you're superior. But God doesn't want us to think we're superior. God wants us to love all people. And God levels the playing field. You know, where's that scripture in James? In James, in James chapter 1, That's what it says in James chapter, this is James chapter 1 and verse 9. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation. Because like flowering grass he will pass away. So God says the, the brother of humble circumstances needs to see his exaltation in Christ. And the rich man needs to see his humility. So God brings the lowly up. He brings the 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 high down, and he makes and he makes it a level field. That's why racism is so is so bad because it, it, we we're not superior. We're equal. We're all equal in God. And in Ephesians, let me give you one more example. In Ephesians chapter five, the apostle Paul t- talks to husbands, and he's telling them how to love their wives. He he doesn't just say be faithful to them. He says affirm them. Cherish them, love them, help them become all that God has made them to be. And the basis for his teaching is that of Christ and the church. Look at what Paul is basically saying. Look what the husband, Jesus, has done for us, the church. And we should act the same way. Husbands should act the same way toward their wives as Jesus acts toward us, the church. Could he get that from the law? Uh, I don't think so. But it's a motivation of the spirit and love from the heart that God will lead us to do that. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2 that the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. The grace of God motivates, motivates us, inspires us to say no to ungodliness. I don't want to be ungodly because it will grieve the one who gave his life for me. Only the gospel and what it's done for me can make me not want to be ungodly. So what is the essence of the Christian life? Well, in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, it says, you've been bought with a price, you're not your own. You're living for God and you're living for others. You're not living a selfish life, you're living an unselfish life. You're living the way God wants you to live. Laying your life down for God and for others. The gospel changes our lives from the inside out. It gives us different motivations, different responses, different ambitions, new ambitions to be godly and to be holy. In Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3, It says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your affections or your mind on things above and not on things of this earth, for you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's the key. We've, we have died. We've died to us. We've died to the old man. And our life is hidden with Christ in God. My life is wrapped up with God, not other things. 
No other thing can be God in my life but God himself. No person, no career, nothing else can be first place in my life but God. The gospel has come into our life. If you're saved and born again, the gospel has made you a new person. And he said, it has set you free to be, what, to be what God has called you to be. Not what anybody else wants you to be. Not what anything else calls you to be. It's, it's the fulfillment of Psalm 139, verse 16, where it says, And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. God has a destiny for every one of us. We won't find it in any other place but in him. We won't find it in any other way except when the gospel comes into our life and sets you free to be all that God has called you to be, to find your destiny in him, and you will. If you walk after him with all your heart, let the Spirit of God lead you and guide you into all the truth. Let the Spirit of God do its work in you. Let the Spirit of God teach you to deny ungodliness and live for him and And all these things will be added unto you. So I just want to encourage you tonight. I think we're all born again. We all know the Lord. Let the Spirit of God, by the, by the internal motivation, lead us and guide us into all the truth for our lives so that we can be the people he's called us to be and do what he's called us to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I just, I bless you tonight. I thank you that you have not left us as orphans. You've not left us alone. But you've come by your spirit, Lord, to inhabit us, to teach us the ways of God. Lead us and guide us into all the truth for our lives. Not just uh, how we live, but our destiny. We bless you, Lord. We surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us Visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.